2: 700 years before Jesus was born, there was a prophet by the name of Isaiah. And Isaiah prophesied the coming of the Lord, along with many other prophecies. But there's a very specific prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6, that I want you to listen to, because he is describing by prophetic word, God is speaking and telling us the character, the nature, the work of the Messiah when he would come. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And what's the last title mentioned there? Prince of Peace. Isaiah, seeing through the Holy Spirit, the coming of Jesus, said when he comes, he's going to be the wonderful counselor. He's going to be for us the Mighty God. He will be for us the Everlasting Father and lead us to relationship with the Father. But he's also going to be the Prince of Peace. Notice that one of the names given to Jesus is Prince of Peace. Peace. What does that name mean? What does it entail? Prince is a representative of a father king. The father is the king. The son is the prince. And so Jesus came, if you will, as the son of the father, the very son of God. And he came to impart the rule of the father's kingdom. That is, when Jesus came, he came proclaiming that God has come to earth. His kingdom has come to earth. His rule has come into this world. Heaven has broken the boundaries of earth, and heaven is now in earth. The kingdom of heaven is here, Jesus said. And, of course, we know that the kingdom of heaven represents the peace that only God can bring. That's why when there was an announcement of Jesus' birth to the shepherds out in the fields near Bethlehem, uh, it was really connected to the concept of peace. Notice these words. And there were shepherds, Luke chapter 2, verse 8. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. That's the lack of peace. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Jesus, when he came from heaven to earth, born in that manger over 2000 years ago, and ultimately giving his life on the cross of Calvary for us, came to bring us the possibility of something called supernatural, divine, heaven sent peace. What is this piece? The word peace, if we go from the negative angle for the word, it means the absence of strife, the absence of worry, the absence of fear, the absence of a restlessness in your soul, the absence of conflict around you. That's the idea of peace. Actually, the meaning of the word peace in the Hebrew and in the Greek is a word that means wholeness. It's bringing your life into unity. See, when you're worried, it strangles you and drives you apart. It pulls your life in many different ways, but peace brings wholeness to your soul, the Old testament hebrews and even into today the hebrew language contains a word that is often spoken that imparts this concept of wholeness and well-being and peace and that word is shalom and the biblical term for peace includes the concept of rest jesus came to bring you peace he came to bring you rest and peace now while Jesus came to bring us peace, you and I have to receive it. We have to exercise a responsibility in the process. That's why the Apostle Paul wrote in Colossians chapter three verse 15, these words that are very instructional to us. He writes and says, "Let the peace." Notice that first word, let allow." give permission let the peace of christ rule in your heart since as members of one body you are called to peace and be thankful so paul says we have a part to play in experiencing the peace of god we have to let it happen we have to make the choice to do something on our end it is an offer from god but we must cooperate with him in that process so what i want to do today is to share with you three things that are necessary if you want to experience the peace of god in your life What is your part? What must you do? Number one, you and I must connect to the source of peace. It's a connection that has to be made. We must make that connection. God has already done his part. Now we do our part. St. Augustine, about 1,700 years ago, made a very astute observation, a wonderful statement. Actually, it was a prayer that he prayed. He's talking to God. He says this to God. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. St. Augustine said, I've learned something about my life and about God that I am restless as long as I'm living my life myself. But I only find rest when I'm connected to the source of peace. And you and I will only find rest and peace in our life when we are connected to that source. There's an Old Testament story about a man by the name of Gideon that helps us to understand this connection process. What do we do? How do we connect with the source of peace? Let me tell you a little bit about the story. The story is found, at least the portion I'm going to talk to you about today, is found in Judges chapter 6. I'm not going to read the first six verses for you. I'm simply going to tell you what's going on and then we'll look at some verses in just a moment. But Gideon lived in the time of Israel's history called the period of the judges. And the period of the judges was a very tumultuous time. It was a time when Israel uh, had a lot of enemies. There was no king in Israel at this particular time. So the Bible says that everybody was doing what was right in their own eyes. I mean, you know, that's a recipe for disaster right there. And the scripture says that because of this, this lawless atmosphere, Israel was constantly walking away from God. They would fall into idolatry, and then enemies would come in and ravage them, and they would cry out to God, and God would raise up a judge and deliver them, and then they would get back into trouble again. And so it was this sort of roller coaster experience that people are having with God. Up for a moment, down the next. Get into trouble, cry out to God, then back into trouble again. How I many you know that trouble will get your attention? Trouble can make you closer to God. That's what Israel was going through. This is the time that Gideon lived in, and it was a time when it was the down cycle. They were at the bottom at this point. They'd walked away from God, and because of that, the Midianites had taken over, ravaging the nation of Israel. What would happen was this. Israel, every year, would plant their crops. They would put all their energy into cultivating those crops, looking for a great harvest, because that's how you lived in those days. If you had no harvest, you had no food for the rest of the year. They They were farmers. That's how they made their living. And what the Midianites determined to do is they let the Israelites do all the work, do the planting. But when harvest season would come, the Midianites would come into Israel and steal all of their harvest away from them, intimidate them, and drive them back into caves out of fear. And so many of the people during this time were living in great fear. There was no peace in the land. They never quite knew when the Midianites were going to show up and ravage them again. They lived in that kind of uncertain environment, intimidating environment. And in the midst of that environment, there was a man by the name of Gideon that lived. And let me take you to the story in chapter uh, 6 of Judges, verse number 11. Let's see something about this This man, Gideon, and an encounter he had with God that connected him to the source of peace in his life. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a winepress to hide. Notice that word, to hide. So fear had driven him into hiding. He was afraid, he was anxious, he was worried. So he's at the back of a wine press in a cave, hiding his grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Verse 13, Sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? God, if you're with me, why is all this going on? That's exactly what Gideon prayed. And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites I am sending you. But Lord getting replied, How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. And I am the least in my entire family. And the Lord said to him, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man what i want you to see in this story is we find a man gideon who was fearful who was intimidated who was insecure who was living in worry he was a restless man in a very uncertain environment and god showed up in his life and by faith in that moment gideon reaches out to god as god is reaching to him and he experiences a transformation of heart. He begins to experience something he had not known perhaps forever in his life to that point, And that was the peace of God. How do we know that he experienced peace in that moment? Because he begins to move forward in his interaction with God and actually creates a, an altar to offer a sacrifice. And we'll pick up the story in verse 24. And I want you to see what Gideon does. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there. And what did he call it? The Lord is what? Peace. That's the Hebrew, one of the Hebrew names for God, Jehovah Shalom. All through the Bible, you'll find that God reveals his nature and character in many different ways, especially by giving us particular aspects of his name. And one of the names that Gideon experienced of God that day, he realized who God was. And he said, I know who God is. He is Jehovah Shalom. He is the God who is my peace. And that day, Gideon gave his life to God, and when he found God, he found peace. The second thing I want you to note today as we talk about how you and I are able to experience God's peace, we have to hear Jesus' promise of peace. Now, that word hear is a very important word because today I'm not talking about just hearing with your natural ears. I'm talking about hearing actually in your heart, receiving a promise of peace from God deep into your heart today. And Jesus came so that you can have the same kind of peace that Gideon experienced. But Gideon experienced it in the moment of a promise. He believed the promise. God said, I will be with you. And Gideon believed that. And out of that belief came the peace that he experienced so much so that he realized this is the God of peace. He is Jehovah Shalom. No one, no one else can provide this for you but Jesus. You must hear his promise. Listen to these words in Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, Paul writes, since we have been justified through faith, we have, what do we have? Peace with God through Our Lord Jesus Christ. How does the peace come into your life? It is through a source. That source is Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Listen to John chapter 14, verse 27. Before I read it, let me tell you what's going on. Jesus is in an upper room with his disciples. It's on Thursday night before he's going to be crucified on Friday. And Jesus is letting his disciples know, I'm not going to be around any longer like I have been. We spent three, three and a half years together. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die. Now, if you were one of those 12, that was very troubling to you. Because here's the one you had followed for three, three and a half years, and he's telling you he's going to die the next day, and he's going to be put at the hands of the Romans and the Jews, and he's going to suffer crucifixion. They're also wondering not about losing him, they're wondering about their own selves what's going to happen to us? Because once he's gone, what's, what's this going to mean for us? And so it was an anxious, filled room. There was no rest in that room at that moment. There was no peace in that room at that moment. They're all wondering, what is going to happen here? What are, you, what are you talking about, Jesus? You know, this, we, we don't want to hear this kind of stuff. And in the midst of this, Jesus speaks a promise to these troubled disciples and a promise for you and me today as well. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart... Hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. There in that moment, Jesus says, you can have something in the midst of this moment, even though it seems as though it's troubling around you. I came to impart to you peace. The peace I give you is not like the world. It doesn't come and go. It is not dependent upon circumstances. It is a peace that surpasses even understanding. I give to you peace. Don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. Walk in my peace. Receive the promise our peace As we think about connecting to the source of peace, who is Jehovah Shalom, Jesus, who came as the Prince of Peace, to then now take that next step and say, Jesus, I'm going to accept the promise that peace was meant for me. That peace is a promise not just for someone else, but peace is a promise that is for me in my life. It's a promise. That promise is echoed again in Matthew chapter 11. Verses twenty-eight through thirty. Listen to this promise. Words of Jesus Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Notice I will. It's a promise. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will, there again is the promise, you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus said, I will give you rest. You will find rest for your soul. A promise. Now, any promise is only as good as the person making it. Never believe a promise from a liar. If somebody's lying, you can't count on their promises. But if somebody is a truth teller, that whatever they tell you, whatever promise they give you, you can take it to the bank. You can grab hold of it and say it's real because I know the integrity of the person who's making it. But integrity and a promise is not enough. There needs to be also ability to perform on the promise. What I want you to know today is that Jesus will never lie to you. If he says, I will give you peace, he will give you peace. He has integrity. He is the truth. And he has the power power to back it up. He has the ability to do everything he says that he will do. He will never tell you that he will do something for you, that he doesn't have the ability to perform. So when he says, I will give you peace, take it to the bank, understand that it's real and true for your life. It is a promise, not just for somebody else. It is a promise for you. It is a promise for me. Say it together with me again. It is a promise for me. It's my promise. But there's a third thing that is essential. If you're going to experience God's peace in a very personal way, you have to follow Jesus' peace plan. See, we have a responsibility in this. Go back with me and look at that verse, Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. And get your pen ready to circle some words, if you don't mind, as we go through there. Because I'm going to show you what you've got to do if you're going to live in the peace of God. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, circle weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Circle that, if you will. For I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so we're given several statements there of instruction. Come to me, those who are weary and burdened. Take my yoke and learn from me. Here are the instruction points. That is, if we do those things, Jesus said, I will do what I promised. You can't expect the promise to be fulfilled unless you do your part. Remember, we're in a partnership with God. We have to work this thing together. He's done His part. Now He's waiting for us to do our part. And so what is our part? There are five things that are essential for us to do if we want to walk in the peace of God. There is a peace plan that you have to follow. Number one, you have to admit your need for peace. Come to me, you who are weary and burdened. Are you weary and are you burdened? The second thing you must do is hear Jesus' invitation. What are the first words in verse 28 of Matthew chapter 11? Come to me, right? Come to me. That's called an invitation. Every invitation carries with it the obligation of some kind of response on your part. And so Jesus sends us this invitation. And the question is, what are you going to do with this invitation? You would not show very much etiquette to receive an invitation and ignore it. No, when an invitation comes, there is a response that needs to be exercised on your part. And so Jesus says, by the way, are you worried? Are you weary? Are you burdened? Is that you? Do you have some problems of restlessness in in your life. Okay, good. You admitted it. Now here's what I want you to do. Here's the invitation. Come to me. What will your response be? Will it be an RSVP? Yes, I'm coming, or Jesus, I'm not coming. I regret I send my regrets. That's the choice. And then we come to Jesus. That's the third thing. I want to talk specifically about that phrase. Come. How do you come? You've got the invitation. What do you need to do in your life right now? That will take you closer to Jesus than you are right now, so you can experience more of His peace in your life than you're experiencing right now. The fourth thing that you see in this story, in this promise of Jesus, is that you and I need to give up our plans and trust in Jesus' plans. Jesus said, Take my yoke. Now you say, What in the world is a yoke? It is not the yellow part of the egg. Well, back in those days, of course, they were farmers. They didn't have tractors to plow up the land and combines and all the wonderful things that we have today and agricultural engineering that's available to us. But back in those days, the way you plowed your field was with oxen. And you'd get a pair of oxen and you'd, you'd hitch them together. The way you would hitch them together is by a yoke. It was a wooden thing that went around the neck of the, of both ox and the plowing structure. And so it was fitted uniquely to that ox. And carpenters would make the, the yokes for the animals. Jesus, before he started his ministry, what do we know that he was? He was a carpenter. So it's highly likely that Jesus had made many yokes during his day. He had fashioned them out in his carpentry shop. He knew what it was to measure an ox and to figure out the exact size that was needed for that ox to fit and to work well. And so here's how it would work. You would, as, you were, as you were plowing your field, many times you would get two oxen. And the two oxen would be... One would be an older seasoned oxen. The other one would be a younger ox. And they would pair them together. And the, the big ox the older ox would pull the load and carry the way because that ox didn't get sidetracked. That ox had been trained. He knew how to plow a straight furrow. But the other ox was beside him in the yoke. And it it would often pull to the right or to the left. But it couldn't pull off course. Why? Because it's yoked up with someone stronger. He says, take my yoke. What does that mean? It means you've got to get in the yoke with Jesus. You've got to give up your plans. And submit yourself to him. You've got to put your neck in the yoke. It's not a negative thing. It's a positive thing. Because you'll, as we're going to see in a moment. That's where you actually learn the lessons you need from life. Right? That's how you actually learn. And that leads to the last point here. We're done. That you have to grow as a committed follower of Jesus. Jesus said, take my yoke and learn from me. Learn from me. The beauty of an older ox and a younger ox is that the younger ox is being instructed and educated by the older ox as they're yoked up together. And when you and I get yoked up with Jesus, we have the honor and the privilege of learning his ways. And the more you walk with him, the more you learn his ways. And the more you learn his ways, the more you experience his peace. Because in his his ways, you will find peace. Because one thing I know about God, he's never nervous. God is never worried. There's never a time they have a council up in heaven. And Jesus said, oh, Father, I don't know what we're going to do. Did you see what happened down on earth? Oh, my goodness. What are we going to do? The Holy Spirit said, I don't know. I'm nervous, too. That never happens. If you imagine Jesus, you imagine the perfect dimension of peace, don't you? Because that's who he is. He is Jehovah Shalom. And so when you learn his ways, what begins to happen in your life? What do you begin to experience more of? His peace. That's why Jesus is brilliant. There's nobody ever as smart as Jesus, right? And think that you can have him as your teacher. Isn't that incredible? That Jesus can actually be your teacher. And if you think you already know everything you need to know and you're tired of learning, that's foolish. The only people who stop learning, when, if you graduate from learning, you're a fool. Okay? Right? But if you continue an attitude of learning your entire life with Jesus, it will take you step by step into greater peace. There's an old song that says every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Every day with Jesus, I love him more and more. See, when you and I begin to get in sync with Jesus, I promise you, if you haven't experienced this yet, just, just, just try it. Begin to try it in your life and start taking those steps with Jesus because you'll begin to learn that truly every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before because you're learning his ways. And the more you learn his ways, the more you experience his peace. What are we talking about today? Jesus came as the prince of peace. To invade your restless world. How do you begin the process? You connect to the source. You hear the promise. What's the promise? Peace is for me. Amen.
1: Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast. You felt a stirring in your heart. Something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing.
0: Wish there was a place to find good, clean, family safe.